I didn't realise it was an option to not have to stand behind that. Um, so this morning, the stories um, we're talking about is written by, uh, it's based on a, a conversation between four people. One's a Uncle, Duck, Uncle Dr. Pastor Ray Minicon, who's a descendant of the Cabby Cabby and Garang Garang nations of southeast Queensland and the South Sea Island people. He's a senior Christian leader and he's the founding member of NAITS, N-A-I-T-S, a global indigenous theology, theological community and leads the Scarred Tree Indigenous Ministries at St John's Glebe in, in Glebe, Sydney. Bianca Manning is a Gumarai woman and a Common Graces Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Justice Coordinator. Safina Stewart, who did the, the planting, she's a as Wathathi and Mabuag Island woman and Common Graces Relationship and Storytelling story Coordinator and... Gershon Nimbolka, who's the National Director of Common Grace. I was, um, I had a, I had a lot of statistics here, but thankfully Dan went through them, <laughs> through them so I don't have to. But the passage we read about the least of these, you know, you, you might not think it, you might not agree that, but in every way you look at it, Indigenous Australians certainly qualify for the least of these. Currently, I think 6% of the population represent a third of incarcerated people in Australia. The death rate is something like 10 years lower than the average Australian. So it's definitely true. Education is way low. And, and as Dan said, there's more to than the Tasmanian stories. There's also the Australian story. And like, like we've heard this year or last year about the trouble in Alice Springs and how that's going. And if, who's been to Alice Springs and had a good look around? Yeah, if you had a good look around Alice Springs, you can actually see the despair. You can see the despair and it is so heartbreaking. You've got seven or eight different tribes and nations put together in camps and, and just left to basically rot. And they're not allowed out of camps. They have certain rules and they, they just, their life is just so bad. But it was amazing, though, when I was there, I did also get to meet some people who have come out of that, some Woolpery people that, you know, have come out of that system and have now found God and has changed their life. But because of the communal nature of Aboriginal people, they always get sucked back in. And it's just so heartbreaking to see when you see these people strive so hard to get ahead in life. But then their communal nature, the pull of the people actually takes them back inside. I suppose we could equate it today like um, you, you see young folk, because I'm a bit older now, say, you see young folk who, who follow trends and you go, why are you following trends? But they do because that's the pull of the people and that's what happens in the Aboriginal community. And then you've got Sherberg, which is another place of huge despair. People there were given jobs by the government and they were good jobs, they were good at their jobs. But they got paid, they went home. And because of the communal nature of Aboriginal living, they have to divvy up their pay to all their uncles and aunts that come and want some. So in the end, they'd work a week and get you know, 20 bucks for working a week. And so they just give up after a while. So that's the kind of despair we're trying to get to. That's the kind of despair we're trying to overcome. And that's what I mean when I talk about the least of these. So... So, who, everyone's been to Sydney, Gadigal country, I take it. Who hasn't been to Sydney? 
Oh, right, good. Okay, so Pitt and Castlereagh Street. Everyone knows Pitt Street Mall? Yep, okay. There's a monument there. And the monument there is actually a monument to the first sermon preached in Australia. I did not know that until I did this. I did not know that. And it's got the, on the monument, it's got the first verse ever preached in Australia. And the verse is Psalm 116, verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits to me? And when Safina went there, she found this thing. She found the verse. She found the monument. And she wrote this. All of a sudden, I started listening from the floor up, from my feet up. And what I noticed around me was all of this hustle and bustle, all of the business pedestrians, all these huge, huge buildings. And they grieved because the land had been covered, completely covered, cement and paved over. You cannot see the land in that point anymore. But I could hear it screaming and I could hear it within my spirit, the voices of ancestors who had not received peace from justice and right relationship. I could feel them coming all the way through and I could hear them through my feet. And why you might not agree with the sentiment expressed exactly in it, there is a such thing as connection to country and standing in the dirt. You know, there's, there's um, gardeners who tell you, there's people who tell you, if you go stand in the dirt, you'll become more well-grounded. And for the Aboriginal people, it's a really, really strong belief. When you're on country, you stand in dirt. I remember this girl, she was about 12, and she had an open-heart surgery in Brisbane. She came from Mount Isa. And all she wanted to do was get back to her home country and eat dirt, just to feel that connection again. And so you've got this person here, you know, like, and they just need to feel connection but they can't because it's been scarred it's been covered over and that's what it's like to be an indigenous person you've got this history that you want to be able to experience in peace and they let others understand it but you can't because it's been covered over it's been covered up for 200 years and you know dan talked about if you look out here now and if you just imagine out here you know 240 years ago what that would have been like looking out there. No dam. This hill would have been here and you would have just been sat looking out and seeing nature, seeing God's creation at its finest. And you would have been in awe at the quietness, the stillness, but also the hustle and bustle of the undergrowth, the kangaroos, the emus as they were then, the echidnas, all those animals are unique. They would have been roaming around here and people living a subsistence lifestyle but they were still living and then to have it all change within that period of time oh, a bit of trivia who knows when the dam was built no close 1968 did you know it's not a natural dam oh, i was a bit disappointed when i found that out they actually pumped the water in from New Norfolk to fill up this dam. And it's already treated, so you can drink it. And it's one of 18 Hobart that supply water to Hobart. So there you go. 1968. So if you're over, what's that? 55 was built after you were born. <laughs> Does that make you feel old? Makes me feel old. So this monument, it's a call and invitation. It says the verse, you know, 
What shall I render unto God for all the Lord for all his benefits? It's a deep invitation, but it's a challenging one. If you actually stopped and thought about what that means, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits? The person who preached the sermon was Reverend Richard Johnson. He was the first fleet chaplain. And when you see the monument, you think about what nation around the world has got a monument to a biblical passage that asks this incredible question, yet let alone to the first biblical passage that was ever preached in that country. And yeah, Uncle Ray goes to say it wasn't directed at Aboriginal people. It was addressed to the convicts. And now it's addressed to this country, this nation. And these are the beneficiaries of that convict area. Era. Have you ever thought about that? You know, this was written in you know, 1788. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? That was preached back then. And the benefits towards you are you get to live in this country now. You get to live all the time, all the benefits of all the history. But there's also the baggage that comes with it. The convicts at the time would have been going, what? Why, why do I care? The government sent me out of here. I've got soldiers to rule over me. I've got judges to rule over me. I don't care. You know, there's no benefit for me being here. But the monument still stands. And it's a question that we need to be addressing. It goes to the heart of the challenges that this country faces with Australia's First Nations. What shall they render unto the Lord for all the benefits towards him? And you here today are the beneficiaries of that disposition. And so it's up to you. How do you respond to that question? What shall I render unto the Lord for all the benefits towards him? We have the Nepalese people here who are latecomers in the big scheme of things to this, this state. And they're more than welcome here. But they, they, they come here because of everything that's gone before. And they get to live here because of everything that comes before. And if you just recently arrived, you, you, know, you go, why should I care? But it's part of the makeup and it's part of that fabric. And it's a bit like a broken, a broken timeline. It's a broken fabric. It's a broken plate. It's just something that's not quite right when you've got this timeline that comes along and you've got this glitch in it. And until that glitch is fixed, this country won't be as free as it can be. This country won't be as, as open as it can be. This country won't be as lucky as it can be until that is fixed. And it's a challenging question is how do you fix that? And as we had, we had a referendum last year, and I won't ask you who voted yes and who voted no. But over 50% voted no. And generally churches follow, you know, public voting. So you'd think there'd be... A minimum of 40% in the church have voted no. And you, and you go, why did you vote no? And I actually think it's because the yes story is so simple that it's hard to believe. From my point of view, the yes, the yes question was, do we want to give people a fair go? Do we want to bring people up to be equal with us? That was the, that was the question. The no arguments were good arguments but they were all, all based upon fear rather than love. And we talk about Uluru's statement from the heart. 
this gener generous invitation, and that's what the voice was, the voice, treaty, and truth. So how do we actually outwork this ministry of reconciliation that God has given us to be in right relationship, to reconcile people to God, to creation, to each other? How do we do that? We do it by trying to turn a page. And this is what Uncle Ray says. And I think this sums up the statement from the heart. And this is, I think we've been buried so much for 200 years under this whole notion of colonial oppression that it's almost killed a lot of our dreams off. And the statement from the heart brought those dreams back into some kind of reality for us. Voice, treaty and truth. It was a simple question but it crushed a people when the answer was no. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? Truth, treaty, voice. We could have got there as a country. As a country, we had the opportunity, but we refused it. And that is the sadness of it all. Now, if I was given this sermon just after the, after the um, vote, I would have been really narky. So God is good. Um, But the question I have is, how many extra Aboriginals, because we have a high suicide rate, how many extra Aboriginals killed themselves, suicide, after the referendum? Because they had this glimmer of hope, the one hope, and it was taken away from them. And you actually think about that, and it did happen. And you go, that is so sad. We have our hope in Christ. We have that hope in Christ which actually helps us get through it. But if you haven't got that hope in Christ, you know, it's just so much harder to see through the challenges. Like 200 years of oppression, yes, there's light. Oh, no, it's been taken away again. So Uncle Ray then challenges the churches. Why theolog theologically... Hang on. Why are we not answering the question theologically? Why are we not answering that question? What shall we do for the Lord who benefits us? You know, why aren't we answering that question? Why aren't we doing it for the least of these? Why aren't we doing it politically as a nation? Why aren't we doing it as a community? Why aren't we doing it? And why aren't we doing it from even a personal point of view? And he goes on to say, Uncle Ray, if you want to preach the message of Jesus to, to my people, they're going to have to show true justice, true truth-telling and a better way forward that actually gives some sort of practical substance to believe that there might be an opportunity moving forward because at the moment there isn't so he goes on it's listening to the voice of god it's listening to what he has given us in his book about what he knows justice is what justice looks like what justice feels like so what shall i render unto the lord is what God is saying to the church. When you look around with all the benefits God has given you, look at this country. And that's where grace comes into it. Grace gives us another chance. Grace gives us a moment in time. Grace allows us to wrestle and rumble with the questions of how to get it right so we can live together. These conversations aren't easy. They're never easy. 
you know, you, you don't like to be told we're not doing a great job. But in some areas we are doing a great job. In some areas we're doing a, a really good job. But how do we actually make a difference? So the question that was asked in the very first biblical question when Australia was settled by the white people is being asked again today. Uncle Ray talks about a pathway to understanding because that pathway is going to take a long time to bring into play. So we understand that it's not going to happen overnight. But that's hope. And that's hope that's brought through the cross. So Uncle Ray has this hope that's brought through the cross. What are we going to do as a church? There can be a new way. There can be a new birth. But how? But why? It's a chance to recommit or commit if you've never committed to actually looking after the least of these to keep God's commands. And I pray that we would commit to nurturing that seed that it may grow and flourish as God intends. Just like the seeds we planted this morning, they need tending to. They just don't happen. You have to make an effort. If you don't make an effort, nothing will change. Change has to come from within. So here's the questions that Uncle Ray poses at the end. What shall I give in return for what shall I render unto the Lord? It's a language of exchange. What shall I give in return? It's how do you create this kind of equality? We actually have to listen to the challenges. It actually has to change us from the inside. We all know that people can influence us, but unless we want to do something, nothing happens. We need it to refresh us. We lost the referendum, but it's not the end. We're still here. The First Nations people are still here, still being oppressed, still not getting the chance to say a truth. And so we've got to create these opportunities we can create with God. He is our creator. We are children of the creator. And we have to find new pathways for the future. And that's the thing. The church can change. The church is willing to change if it wants to. Governments can change. People can change. Someone has to lead the way. Are we willing to do that? He goes on to say, Uncle Ray, if I didn't have hope then I wouldn't want to be a follower of Jesus. It would be a religious religion of hopelessness and helplessness. So that is his hope that when we render something unto the Lord, we actually look at equality to the least of these. So the challenge going forward is truth, treaty and voice. That's what, that's what Aboriginal people want. Truth, treaty and voice. Now, for those who grew up in my era, when you went to school in Tasmania, you were told there were no Aboriginals left. And I think it happened for a little bit after me and it certainly happened before me. So that's a truth that you learnt, but it's not the truth. And so to unlearn a learned behaviour is, is a challenging thing. It's a hard thing. But that's what God's asking you to do. That's what Aboriginal people are asking you to do, to just listen to their truth. And if you watch the Australian wars, 
it really does change the way you view things. You know, they say there's been no wars in Australia, et cetera, et cetera. If you go to the British Army Museum, they actually have a section earmarked for the Australian wars. So everyone in the world recognises except for us. We won't recognise it. And then the other day, and I'll finish off with this thought, the other day I was at the um, Believe Tasmania, the AFL team, the Tasmanian Football Club. They had a meeting in Oatlands where they tell the story. They got everyone to tell the local story to try and get a vibe for the club. And it was really, really interesting. Um, one, of the, one of the presenters, Abby... Abby Green, she was there and she used to play football AFLW but she had so many knees blow out she had to give it up. But she was talking about her story and this is, this is a bit of God. I, I think it's God. I, they said it was a coincidence. I believe it's God. But they were there talking about and she was talking about how she missed Tasmania, how she went away and all she wanted to do was be in Tasmania. And then COVID come and while she was away, her dad died. And she went back home and her granddad had died previously. So she thought she had no one left. She goes to this thing at Oatlands to be a and there's somebody in the crowd who was a granddad's brother, the last surviving person of that generation. So now she has a great uncle, a relation. She was ecstatic by it. And it was just it was lovely to see God in action. But the thing that came out to me is they talk about what makes Tasmania and being proud to be Tasmanian is one of the biggest things that came out. And I actually thought about it after that. When you go away, who do you, you go, oh, you're from Tasmania, you automatically hook up, you've got this, this vibe. It's not like a second head vibe, it's just a vibe, okay? But you've got this vibe that you connect. And you go, I'm from Tasmania, you know, it's the mainland, it's them and us, it's, it's them and us, it's all this thing. And I think that's in some ways, that pride is what holds us back. We're too proud to admit what happened in the, in the past. But we have to acknowledge the past to move forward. So with that in mind, we're now going to do... Where's Dan gone? Oh, no. Oh, we were going to do something else, but now we're not. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do the water ceremony. Okay, so the water ceremony, Dan explains it much better than me. Okay, uh, I'm actually going to ask for Jan's help as well, if I can see her. Yep. We're, just hang on one sec. Um, the, the water ceremony is, uh, what, what happened in mainland Australia often is that the uh, colonials would want to go and establish a, a, a lo like a, a colony, a homestead. And as they, as they went there, the Aboriginal people would often show them where the water holes were. And they would offer them hospitality. They would try and coexist. Um, but there are were, there were several recordings where the colonials actually went and poisoned the water holes to, to actually wipe out the local population. Um, and so what, what this ceremony is about is actually trying to undo some of that. So the, we've been, in Fusion, we've been doing this since the 80s, the water ceremony. We're inviting people to come and share the living water. Water to Australia is so precious. If you picture Australia, it's often fairly dry. Yeah. 
and uh, and so and so water is a really precious commodity, and for our indigenous people to share that water with us um, was a beautiful gesture, and we actually are doing that again today. So for for this water is is a symbol of sharing the water together. That's this precious thing that we have in Australia. So what we're encouraging people to do as we finish up, and then we'll sing one more song. We'll come up and grab a glass. You'll be poured some water by Paul and me, I think. And and then um, and then j- just take a drink and accept that welcome, that hospitality. Is there anything else you want to say? Um, and we offer a blessing while we do it. Um, and the, the blessing today is may God bless you and open your heart. And it's open your heart to the Indigenous plight. Great. So everyone just come on up, grab a cup, have a, have a drink and you're welcome here. So this is a benediction written by Adam Gowan, a Wiradjuri man. It's called Sunrise. Sunrise, a new day to be present. May we know your goodness and light. Rain, the softening of soil, ready for growth. May we be ready for new life. Wind, bringing us new things, sending away that which is no longer for us. May we breathe in healing and exhale our pain. Silence, a stillness to enter into. May we truly still ourselves to hear. Stars, a canopy of beauty. May we take our true bearings and align ourselves to the way. Moon, steadily moving, cyclic. May we know your guidance and steady hand.